I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. Today's episode is part two of the Grace Hopper celebration of women in computing. On part one, I talked to three attendees, and for this episode, I talked with speakers and volunteers at the event. The first was Liz Heal, a speaker at the Student Opportunity Lab, where she spoke about how to interview teams as you're going through the interview process. We talked about this topic that she presented. The next guest was Sahana, and she was a volunteer on Open Source Day. We talked about the projects that attendees worked on and the importance of participating in the hackathon and the benefits. The last guest is Bushra, and we talked about the open source track at Grace Hopper. She has been a speaker at Grace Hopper twice, and she also shared advice on what makes a talk good and how to improve your talk so that it gets a high interest factor and it gets chosen. Liz Heal is a program manager in Microsoft's Skype for Business group. She has worked in a number of roles prior to moving into program management, including as a college radio DJ, mobile phone game tester, and in mobile content merchandising. Liz Heal, welcome to the Women in Tech show. Thank you for having me. You attended the Grace Hopper conference this year. In your own words, what is the Grace Hopper conference? It is an absolutely amazing gathering of women in technology. Um, it's it's just an enormous, um, joyful gathering. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Seeing 15,000 of my peers, there's nothing but just um, happiness seeing that many women in one place. Uh, that many women technologists in one place uh, involved in the tech sector somehow. It's fantastic. Yes, definitely. And was this the first time you attended? No, this was my second time. I was able to go last year as well. And, you know, if I thought 12,000 was a lot of people, 15,000 was even crazier. It was it was absolutely wild. It was awesome. Yeah. And currently, what's your background? I am a program manager at Microsoft. My background, though, I got started in networking uh, through the Cisco Networking Academy in high school and ended up doing a lot of technical work without technical titles. And then a uh, manager pulled me into project management uh, about oh, wow, it's almost 10 years ago now. And I've been in project and program management ever since. It just, it's stuck. I love it. Okay, that's great. And one of the things that you mentioned was that you were a speaker at the Student Opportunity Lab. What is the Student Opportunity Lab? The Student Opportunity Lab is actually really great. Um, they have it set up so it's 20-minute sessions and there's a variety of speakers there all on different topics. So students and really anyone at any point in their career can come in. Um, they're not checking for student IDs at the door. Um, okay. They can come in and ask questions of people. So someone was talking about what it's like to work in large companies versus startups. Um, 
I was talking about how to find a good fit for you uh, when you're doing interviews rather than finding the first job uh, that uh, offers that sends you an offer letter. Mm-hmm. So, and, but it's a great mix because it's tons of different people talking about different things. I think there were 60 tables this year. So uh, there's all sorts of different viewpoints, all sorts of different opinions. For most of the topics that are covered in the Student Opportunity Lab related to careers and career development? There's a lot of career and career development covered. Uh, there were a couple technical topics. Uh, it just varied uh, table to table, which was really the nice thing about it. Uh, it was a nice mix. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that your topic was on how to identify teams to interview, right? Yeah, it was how to... Uh, how to interview teams as you're going through the interview process um, you are interviewing a team as much as they're interviewing you because you have to decide if you want to work there there's no conscription they can't force you to work for them Uh, most of us are not in the military we get to decide our roles (laughs) generally Um, if you're military that may not apply to you Um, and if you're reorged it may not apply to you but by and large we have some uh, decision-making ability and where we go to work. And so one of the things that I noticed is a lot of people are really unhappy in their jobs. And part of that, um, you know, you get reorged and it's bad and there's not much that you can do about that reorg. But when we're going in and selecting, we can ensure, okay, I'm an introvert and this is an open workspace. What's their work from home policy like? Or I'm an extrovert and I see everyone huddled in their uh, office by themselves, not talking to one another. Is this really going to work for me as a team dynamic? Um, Asking those questions and ensuring that it's going to be a good fit for you so that you're not walking into a situation that is really just not going to make you happy uh, from an overall fit perspective. Do you typically recommend talking to the team before having an official technical interview or how do you find out those things or do you explicitly ask is it an open office? Um, A combination of things. It really depends. If you're already in the organization it's easy to ask around or to go wander around especially at big companies. you can kind of get away with that. At smaller companies, also, you do know a lot of people. So um, that's the benefit of working for a small company is you have an idea of who's who and what it's like to work with them, what it's like to work with their team. Uh, So that's a good mix. You can ask around, um, you know, quietly, of course, especially if you're not looking for it to be well known that you're interviewing. If you're coming in from the outside, it's a little bit harder um, that's where you go to, you know, your Glassdoor, your LinkedIn, your salary.com and start poking around and looking, what do people say about this and take the good with the bad because people may go on there, they love everything about it. They may go on there, they hate everything about it. And you have to take everything with a grain of salt. It's not going to be a perfect representation, but it might give you a, okay, so, this overall organization really seems to value money over titles. Well, me personally, I value having a VP in my title really early on in my career. That matters to me. And Mm -hmm. that is very important to some people. And they would take a pay cut willingly or go to a company that pays slightly less in order to have a better title. 
And knowing that about yourself is critical too. Um, Some of that comes with time. Some of that comes with uh, introspection and spending a little bit of time just saying, how do I really feel? Um, But a lot of it, you have to start within. You really can't start in the external. You have to sit down with yourself and say, what matters to me? Um, Me personally, I need flexible work hours. I cannot do eight o'clock to five o'clock on the dot. That's not my style. I need to be able to work flexibly. Um, And so that's been an important characteristic when I go looking for teams or when I'm interviewing with teams is, hey, what's the work style like? Do, Do people work from home? Do people, you know, when do people come in in the morning? Oh, eight o'clock on the dot. Everyone's here at their desk. Ooh, okay. I'm going to take that into consideration. (laughs) Yeah, those are great questions. So you explicitly ask them when you're interviewing. Oh, yeah. Um, There are some things that you can tell. You know, if you're walking through an office, you're probably going to get an idea. Are they offices or is it open workspace? There's some things that are fairly obvious. Um, There's even some nuance. Does everyone pick up and go to lunch at 1130? Do you see an entire mass of people uh, walk out the door at 1130. Well, that's probably a good sign that the group, the teams get along and they all want to go to lunch together Yes, and socialize. So it's picking up on some of the subtle cues as well, um, rather than asking directly even. Yeah, because uh, team fit is also very important. Oh, it really is. And, you know, people often is not, when they leave roles, they leave their teams and they leave their managers. Um, They don't always leave their jobs. Uh, So it's really important to find that team fit because that way you can really say, you know what, this job is no longer fitting me and I'm going to go look for that next level in my career rather than, oh, I have to get out of this place. Everyone here is driving me crazy. Have you encountered the situation where the job description says one thing and then when you accept the job, it ends up being... Not when the job description said. <laughs> oh, a couple of times. <laughs> um, so have, have you developed any strategies or heard from other people as to how to find that out before accepting? Um, I have not. The strategy that I developed was I documented what I was doing, what I was being asked to do. Uh, And then I use that to parlay into, hey, here's what I'm actually doing. And I think my compensation should be X because I am taking on these additional duties. Um, I've used it to that uh, extent. I have not used it um, looking looking at it differently. I've not gone in and you know, asked explicitly, well, is my job title or is my role going to change or how is this going to evolve? I have asked, how is it going to evolve in the next three years to look at the longevity of the role? Mm -hmm. As for the Student Opportunity Lab, do people have to sign up in advance? It's uh, No, it's a limit of 10 people per table, but there were 60 odd tables. It's a three hour session. Uh, So everyone was welcome to wander in. It was absolutely fantastic just to see different faces at my table for each session. There were a total Mm -hmm. of six sessions uh, with 10-minute breaks between. And so there was no sign-up needed in advance. Did you attend the Student Opportunity Lab before, before speaking on it? No, I had not attended it. What I had done, however, and this is similar, was speed mentoring. 
Oh, okay. um, and so speed mentoring, you are forced to switch tables at, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever that mark is. I'd done speed mentoring the previous year at Grace Hopper, and it was fantastic. Um, having people uh, come, talk to me, have questions, uh, talk them through, you know, a couple of situations. It was really wonderful. Um, and then having participated in it before, uh, it's been a great experience. So that was why the Student Opportunity Lab particularly appealed to me. Mm-hmm. What have been some of the questions or how can somebody benefit from the speed mentoring? From speed mentoring, one of the things that you can benefit from is that you're at a table with a mentor or two and other people who are being mentored. So you are getting the benefit of listening to other people's questions um, listening to multiple responses, uh, it's not just the mentor always responding. I did not do all the speaking. Um, often as not, there were other people responding to people who had asked me a question. And that's fantastic because it is truly a collaborative mentoring. It's what mentoring should be um, because mentoring is not a one-way street. It's the mentor and the mentee both get something positive out of it. And in speed mentoring, you get that even more so because you have a very dynamic group. Hmm. And in, in speed mentoring, can you select, for example, I want to speak with somebody that, that's working in the industry and in data science? Yeah, they had it as specific as that. So, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So that's it's awesome. great. So you can get really specific and narrow. They even, they had some broader ones. So the one I was in, it was, uh, I was doing a mid-career industry. Uh, so fairly broad. And then they had very narrow, such as you were saying, like uh, data science. Um, and they had entry-level data science, mid-career data science, or academic data science. So getting very specific. Last question. What would you like to see improve in the Grace Hopper Conference? Um, what I'd really like to see uh, improved or changed at Grace Hopper, a lot of it feels very oriented for students and less so for industry professionals. And so I'd love to see some more uh, higher level uh, technical um, and more that's driven at the industry as opposed to some of the academic work. Um, there's mm -hmm. plenty for academic. I don't know if there's a way to add something that's more focused on industry, mm -hmm. um, like a poster session or something along those lines. It's not that, you know, non-academics are necessarily prohibited from entering. Mm -hmm. I, I just think that there's so much focus on the students. And while I love and support that, uh, keeping women in the industry is so critical. Yes. Keeping women in STEM. Um, it's really hard to do that. And so anything we can do to not just encourage women to come into STEM, but to keep them there, I think is yeah. really vital. Yeah, definitely. Well, Liz, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. The next guest is Bushra. Bushra has a PhD in computer science from North Carolina State University and is currently serving as a tech lead for the Amazon Prime program. Her team is responsible for the timely, accurate, and reliable services for millions of Amazon Prime customers across the world. Bushra Anjum, welcome to the Women in Tech Show. I'm glad you were able to come today. Thank you. Uh, this is my first ever podcast, so I'm very excited that we are doing that. 
You were one of the speakers at this conference. What was the topic of your talk? Uh, so I was a speaker both this year and the last. So last year, my friend um, Francisco Pavetra and I were part of the open source track and we ran a workshop which was called uh, Free and Open Source Development, Let's Get You Started. The idea of the workshop was to have the attendees who have never worked in the open source world to help them get started with that whole new domain. So we had a customized starter project and we had some intentional bugs and missing functionality. And we used that project to teach the attendees how they can get started with it, contribute towards it and make it their first open source development. Mm -hmm. This year it was the Student Opportunity Lab. So Student Opportunity Lab is like an interactive mentoring session where mentors and speakers hold brief around 20 minute sessions at their tables. So they have a topic at their table and then every 20 minutes, it's like speed mentoring. So every 20 minutes, a bell rings and then the audience decides which table or which topics looks interesting to them. They sit there and for the next 20 minutes, they chat with the mentor and the speaker there. So my particular topic this year was um, uh, whether to consider a master's or a PhD. What's the difference? Uh, what are the main differences in career options and studies? And what are the expectations for each degree and various strategies to decide which one to pursue? Mm -hmm. What was some of the advice that you were giving? So one of the questions was, of course, is it is graduate studies worth it? Yeah, <laughs> we got that question a lot. <laughs> so I, I personally am um, an advocate for PhD. I say that if you do not absolutely hate research, and, and you have time and finances on your side, you are not scrapped for them, then go for a PhD degree. It opens more doors for you than you can think right now, not only in academia, but also in industry and in government. And the best part is it gives you the flexibility to switch between these fields, which was extremely difficult, if, if not impossible, 10 years ago. So some of the students were quite surprised by this premise and asked many questions as, it defies the prevailing wisdom, and I say wisdom in quotes, that PhD makes you, um, that PhD means that either you are getting qualified for a tenure track academic position, and it perhaps makes you overqualified or misqualified for everything else. Um, it's not the case, and I give my example as, as one, of, one of the people who have taken that route, that I did PhD, and I have been teaching and now I'm in industry and I'm doing as developmental a role as possible. I may switch to government in a few years. I may go back to industry uh, and, or, or I may go back to academia. And the, having the PhD degree keeps my doors open. So it was fun busting some of the myths and stereotypes in our interactions. Mm -hmm. Earlier, you mentioned the open source track. Can you explain what that track is? So open source industry, it used to be like a hidden secret world a few years ago, <laughs> but in the past few years, it has gained a lot of recognition and popularity too. So it, it's, it's become kind of a prime source of gathering new talent and for polishing your new skills and for gathering new skills. So there are so many different websites out there that have listed open source projects that anyone can contribute to. And you don't have to do a lengthy contribution. It could just be as simple as improving the documentation or improving a web interface 
or making changes to a web form. Or if you are well versed with it, then going to the backend and making changes at the server side programming or JavaScripting or anything. It could be a small contribution or a large contribution. But what it does to you is that it gives you visibility, it gives you experience, it gives you exposure. So no matter if you are a student, let's say an undergraduate student, and we get this question a lot that companies like to have experience on a student's profile, but then how do you get experience when you are a new student or you are just in your first or second year of your undergraduate studies? And this open source development is like the key source for you to get that experience or to get that visibility on your resume. If you have contributed to a few projects, you can link those projects to on your resume, especially if you are submitting it online. You can have your own coding portfolios in websites like GitHub or Bitbucket, where you link to your contributions. And that counts as much as an experience as an internship. So that has become, that has gained a lot of attention in the last few years for students who want to have something more on their resume than just coursework and uh, course projects. Let's talk more about speaking at Grace Hopper. One of the guests that I had in the previous show that I did for Grace Hopper mentioned that she applied to speak but didn't get accepted. And you've been successfully accepted twice. What makes a talk or a topic stand out from others? So I, I would first say that it, it is getting exceedingly difficult to get your workshop or your panel um, or any other submission accepted because the number of applications, uh, as far as the submissions are concerned, they are they are increasing like exponentially, just like the number of attendees. Uh, but there are, are a few things that I consider are important in in how you present your topic. So it, it there has to be some sort of a need analysis. Then yes, it is important that. Uh, it's important what you want to present and what ex expertise you possess, but it is equally, if not more important to figure out what gap this current conference is trying to fill. And, and one of the key clue is look at the conference theme. So Grace Hopper Conference have various themes over the years, like are we there yet? What if? Think big and drive forward. Our time to lead. So consider what message the conference is trying to put forth and tweak your submission such that it pushes forth that message. Um, the other thing that I would suggest is that look at the previous year's conference, well, at least one year before, and try not to repeat anything that has been covered in the previous year. It is still too fresh in the minds of the reviewers and the participants and may not earn decent interest. And one final piece of advice would be that diversity is the key. Make sure your team uh, and your topic includes various aspects of diversity in computing, diversity of backgrounds, diversity of experiences, thoughts, point of views. That is the key to get you good, solid reviews and high interest factor during the conference. Mm -hmm. And for your personal topics, did you ask people if, you, if they would be interested in attending or how did you get a feel for it? So, uh, yes, yeah, so when I last year, when I submitted for the open source development track. It was something that I did a pilot run at the university, Missouri State University. I was teaching there then. So we had a small workshop there and to see how students react to it, whether they will be interested in that, and what are the things that they are more interested in learning. If the if the duration of the workshop is one to one and a half hour, it gives you very limited time to focus on things. There's just so much to learn. And that test run 
gave us some good insights on which topics to focus on, what questions to focus on, and how we can devise exercises that the students can then take on their own in the next couple of weeks, and how can we can be available for them while they are doing those exercises. Mm-hmm. Then for Student Opportunity Lab this year, whether to do a master's or a PhD, uh, again, I'm associated with uh, Cal Poly State University, which is in San Luis Obispo, and I'm an um, industry mentor there. So this is something that comes up often. Students often ask about that, that what do we do after we finish our undergrad? Shall we go for a master's? Shall we go for a PhD? Should, should we do a job for a few years and then go back for a master's? Shall we in, um, uh, enroll in a master's leading to PhD or just a master's? So all these questions that, that kind of consolidated in that topic. And um, I figured out that this is something that a lot of people struggle with and have questions for. Uh, So it was a successful submission. I'm glad. Mm -hmm. Did you mention those things in your application? The fact that you did the talk before and you got a feel for it and you got some feedback? Yes. So the the process to apply for a talk is uh, in some ways pretty standard. So the Grace Hopper website gives you a template that has various sections and different templates for workshops, panels, birds of a feather, or student opportunity lab. So in, in, within that template uh, proposal, you have various sections that you need to fill. And one of them is how do you, how are you planning to conduct the panel or the workshop during this one hour, one and a half hour period, and then some background and then some summary information and how do you want to make it successful. So if you mention that you have done pilot runs of this or you have feedback that this is going to be, that this has been received well, in the past, that certainly adds to the credibility. Are there any particular things or aspects that you have liked from other talks? Absolutely. I, I learn so much each year when I go. Uh, just focusing on this year, the, um, the keynotes, one was by Dr. Latanya Swene, who is the yeah. dir- director of Harvard's Data Privacy Lab. And, and the way she presented her research, that how Black-sounding names or Asian-sounding names can dictate the advertisements that are presented to you, that just blew my mind. Honestly, I've never thought about that, that the algorithm-based delivery, can it can perpetuate racial discrimination. Very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the other is the uh, Joe Miller's workshop on becoming a person of influence. Uh, Joe has to be my favorite motivational speaker and and coach of all times. She is the uh, CEO of Women's Leadership Coaching. And the premise of her talk was that technical work is is teamwork. And you have to, uh, and you want to make a difference at work. And for that, you will need to engage, motivate, and influence people, uh, whether they are reporting to you or not. So her workshops go go into these details on these six key types of influence and how to harness them, being a woman leader in your field and how to take your career forward with that. So that is is definitely a learning experience. Mm -hmm. And then one more that is coming to my mind right now is uh, the CEO of IBM, uh, Ginny Romte. She, She also shared her personal story and she gave three key pieces of advice to the attendees. Uh, that was never let anyone else define who you are. The second is work on something interesting and bigger than yourself. And the third was growth and comfort don't really coexist. Is there something that you would like to see improve? I think the key thing that ABI needs to focus on is is giving the attendees the simple opportunity to sometimes relax, sit and, and talk to the person sitting next to you and, and make friends. The yeah. conference has the tendency to get super busy and one feels overcommitted with all the parallel sessions and long distances between rooms and smaller and smaller lunch and coffee breaks. So you hardly get the time to 
make those meaningful connections or friendships. And mm-hmm. I hope that this is something that the organizers will focus more on and put more yeah. emphasis on as the conference grows. Well, Bushra, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my experience. I really enjoyed that. The next guest is Sahana. Sahana is a computer science graduate from UT Austin. She has worked on the scholarship application committee at the Grace Hopper Celebration and has also been a mentor at Open Source Day. In 2016, she volunteered in logistics and worked with sponsors for the hackathon at the conference. Sahana, welcome to the Women in Tech Show. I'm glad you were able to come today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, It's lovely to be here. In your own words, what is the Grace Hopper Conference? The Grace Hopper Conference is essentially like a three-day conference uh, that happens annually for women in tech to increase diversity in the industry, whether it's in tech companies or whether it's in academia. I'm really interested in the diversity and inclusion of women in tech. Mm-hmm. Were you a volunteer at the Open Source Day? Yes. Oh, okay. uh, yes. W- what is Open Source Day? Open Source Day is probably one of my most favorite events to be at when I'm at Grace Hopper. It's a uh, half a day uh, hackathon event that happens annually within the conference itself. It basically features projects using open source technology, uh, which kind of try to solve a certain humanitarian problem or somehow create social impact. The hackathon takes place within Grace Hopper itself, so most of our participants are women. We want to um, encourage first-time participants, especially girls and students who, you know, have always either been very apprehensive or intimidated uh, in getting involved in a hackathon. And we wanted them to have an experience there. We help provide uh, an inclusive, inclusive, safe, and welcoming environment for them. What are some of the technologies that participants have been using at Open Source Day? This year, we had uh, about uh, eight organizations who sponsored over 15 uh, projects. The projects and the technologies vary. They can vary from creating a web app, uh, using um, uh, JavaScript and bootstrap frameworks and so on, to uh, creating websites based on open source stacks, to creating APIs to access data from open data sets. And it, it, it truly varies in the way the project is kind of structured to even what the content is all about. Uh, Cloudera was one of our sponsors and they partnered with Thorn, which is a nonprofit initiative dedicated to using technology to fight child sexual exploitation. And what they did was really interesting. They mined a bunch of data from chatbots in in child pornography sites. And they asked the participants to question the data. For example, who posted what content, who consumed the most content, who produced the most content, and who was interacting with whom. So, and and given uh, the time constraints and uh, the unfamiliarity of the tools, it was it was really awesome to see the demos because they, we could actually see uh, visualiza- visualizations of the data. And, you know, investigative authorities or law enforcement officers could uh, easily go in and make sense of the data mm-hmm. uh, and figure out, you know, who the, the suspect or the culprit is. 
So to join Open Source Day, is there a specific background that you need or? To be frank, you really don't need specific qualifications for for the event. The event is all about learning. In fact, one of the projects is structured in such a way that it's essentially an open source 101. That's pretty useful for someone who's new to hackathon. Mm-hmm. And for volunteering options as great at Grace Hopper, they're available on their website, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So volunteering opportunities kind of range quite a bit for Grace Hopper. There are different ways that you can volunteer. You can be part of a committee. And when I mean committee, there are like, uh, if, if you've noticed in Grace Hopper, there are multiple tracks. So you have technical tracks such as software engineering, data science, artificial intelligence. And for the non-technical track, you have the scholarship application committee or the career track or um, the the open source day. Mm-hmm. So I think depending on your interest, you can apply for these committees. And also there are, you can apply, uh, if you don't want to be part of a, c- a committee, you can always apply to be a mentor in f- one of the speed mentoring sessions that we have at, at the conference, or even to be a mentor uh, at the open source day. So there's plenty of opportunities and positions out there for you. And in terms of logistics, the best time for you to figure out what opportunities are out there is early spring. So if you're looking to sign up for Grace Hopper 2017, anytime between January and uh, March is good time to check back on the Grace Hopper website. Mm-hmm. And I'll include that website in the show notes. Last question, what is one thing that you would like to see improve at the Grace Hopper conference? I think one thing I'd like to see improve about the Grace Hopper conference is I think the way they handle its scale. I don't know if you've uh, if you heard because last year uh, we had over 10,000 attendees, uh, and this year we had uh, 15,000 attendees. To kind of cater to everyone, mm-hmm. I, I, like you know, some people want to sit in on more technical talks. Some people want to sit in on more uh, career talks, career development talks, and. There's different kinds of workshops going on all the time and, and different kinds of sessions. And, and it's, it's very hard to create content for such an event. And I think the way you could improve that is for more and more women to get involved in the conference. And even signing up to be a volunteer is a good way of giving feedback. For example, if you're part of the career track committee, one of your job is to go through proposals that other people have submitted and give feedback about it. So if you're truly looking to change the way the content is uh, in the conference, that's a great way of getting involved and uh, directly affect what the conference is going to look like uh, next year and the community is is growing bigger and bigger by the day yeah well sahana thank you for coming on the show thank you so much for having me 